Who is that voice? Hello, hello, and welcome to this, a very special emergency congress of the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast, brought to you as always by the good people at MGA and 121 Media. My name is Sean Peterbudge, and a little bit has happened since we last recorded. I'm joined by fellow members of the Prendercast for Change Ticket, Dr. Tim Davis and the big Fubba Ganoush for an extraordinary meeting here. I'm not going to ask how either of you are, because I did that the other night, and nothing's happened in our lives between now and then, so we'll just cut right to the chase. Uh... We're here, obviously, to discuss the breaking news out of the football club from last night and then some more of it this morning regarding an external review into operations of the Carlton Football Club, which is set to create quite a stir, if it hasn't already, Timbo. Uh, How have you read the immediate uh, reaction to the news? Well, it was funny. As downcast as we were on Sunday night, you kind of thought, you know, our way clear um, is probably not going to be immediate. Um, but then to hear, and, and I think what we were thinking is we want we wanted immediate change, but you thought practically how often do you get immediate change? I, I know Essendon a few years ago got rid of Mark Neild as an assistant coach who clearly wasn't cutting the mustard there and, and really did throughout his coaching career. Um, but the fact that we've been able to you know, announce uh, want for immediate change and at all levels of the football club, good. The fact that John Barker has now fallen on his sword and obviously knew you know, where the tea leaves uh, you know, were pointing and whatnot, and apparently he's saying he's going back into the finance world after this, so you're going all power to you, Johnny. Um, what that means in the absolute immediate term will be fascinating. What it means for the next time we play in a week and a half's time will be fascinating and what it means come the end of the year will be fascinating. So I, I, I like that we've got steps in place to be able to take us to an area of change, but what it means and how quickly it happens, just fascinating. I think uh, John Barker, and, and it must be said, look, for, for all the flack that uh, JB's copped over his time at Carlton, particularly in the back half of his tenure, we put a tweet out. He's a super guy. You will not meet a better guy. You will not meet um, a better bloke. Um, I think people get a bit nasty when this sort of stuff happens. And, um, look, he's committed sort of football's equivalent of uh, seppuku, if you will, um, in ending it before somebody ends it for him. But at the same time, he's entitled to a bit of dignity and all that kind of stuff. And whatever he does next will be interesting. Um, Faber Ganoush, just between me and you, we want to kick that off with a pod favourite, a developing pod favourite, just between me and you. Um the Red Hot Chili Peppers are nothing more than a decent high school band. I heard none of that. I just heard Tim cough. Apologies. Oh, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> I, I, saying I legitimately again. heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers are... You've ru- ruined the gag, Tim. Fuck. <laughs> I said that they're nothing more than well, a decent it was high school band. to be absolutely honest. Sean's been trying to tell me that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are no good. They aren't. They're, they're really See, one of the well, all-time greats. They're not. Well, what is that? You put a poll out because every time I ask you to put a poll out, you know you'll lose, so you don't do it. It's like the thing <laughs> you've about asked me twice. Bigger, right? You put a poll out. We'll get your band, the Killers, 
versus my band, the Chili Peppers. Just put it, pull it. Who do you prefer? And just see who wins. I think you just might put be, it out to the fans. I think you might be surprised, Fab. I think you might be surprised, Sean. The Chili Peppers are really ordinary. They're really, you know, what the, you know, what the, I said they're like a high school. Your band. taste in music the is Chili very Peppers out of sync with most of our support. With anyone who I'm was born you. after 1973. If I, de- if I DJ post episode, post record, honestly, people would love it. I don't think they'd care. I don't think they'd notice that it wasn't me. No, trust me, we know it's you because it's all shit, crap songs instead of eighties. I've never bands. played. I've never played a Chili Peppers song. Post record. No, no, no. You're just, that you're that may be a song. problem. That's right. <laughs> you know who the Chili Peppers are? Like, if you went to a high school talent show, you'd be like, that's the guy from English. You know, these guys are okay. I mean, they're a bit sloppy, but they're okay. Might hire them to play my sister's 16th and pay him in beer. So you throw to Timbo about the review process and everything else. <laughs> and you and get Anthony Keenis and Flea. All I heard was fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. I think Tim is fascinated by the whole thing. And you throw to me with some jargon about the chilli peppers you and a coffee tin. You know who I'd have open the, the my sister's 16th? I'd have Pearl Jam open for the chilli peppers. I could get a vote for twenty five bucks. The fact that you give no respect to Pearl Jam, you just have a different era, Sean. You have no idea. You've got no idea. Bands like the Chili Peppers and Pearl Jam shit on your bands of like Blink One Eight Two and that. They've got nothing on them. You say the Killers. It's funny we don't want to get too sidetracked. I genuinely think. I genuinely think. <laughs> I genuinely think you'd be shocked if you went through it track for track and you'd actually go. I think the Killers have got more better songs. I definitely. Like pound for pound? I think you'd be going, fucking hell, I think they do. Put the pole out there. Slap your jets down. I don't need to slap my jets down because it'll just be fossils like you clinging to your youth, the vestiges of your youth, acting oh, as though the chili peppers the are more I'm important than they are. You overrate the killers. Well, People are, are tuning in for Carlton, boys. They, not, are responsible uh, for, culture. they are responsible for the song of the 21st century. So, I mean, that's take that for what it will, you know. What, hit me, baby, one more time? Did they sing that? Apart from the <laughs> apart from the fact that that was from the 20th century um, and you've completely made a fool oh, of yourself there. Shit. Pretty sure that song was released in the latter part of the 90s, Fab. It was too. I was at high school still. Yeah, that's why you liked it, because you were used to get your life ahead of you. I did. You were I clinging to the chilies. On mute. The chilies. Not realising that they were, in fact, complete shit. Um, anyway, Sean... Wrap it up. No, no, I'm just trying to hook myself a marlin. Worked. You didn't. I did. You didn't. You, you rattled. You went fishing with a Kmart branded Jarvis Walker for a marlin and your line broke. That's all so I needed. That's all I needed because this marlin swang right. The roar swam right into the trap and just went, yeah. here we go. Well, you've got, you've got the blood flowing, which is good because this review or this episode focusing on our review is, is it's going to be a deep dive. This is what people don't understand. I need to wind Fubba Ganoush up because if you don't, he delivers donuts. He gives you donuts. He gives you zero. So I need to wind him up. I need to needle him. You don't understand. People love what I bring. I don't know if they I've do. Got a, I've got a little cult following. I might start at like a, an e-membership to the Fubba Ganoush Club. You've got literally one follower. Adrian is the president at the moment. He's the, the president and only member. No, no, we've got a couple of members. Yeah, okay, all right, you can't name them, that's fine. We're going to talk about, after now I've just wound him up, I've, 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 I've turned his turned him at the back there and I've just given him enough juice to go for the next hour or so. That's what we needed to do because a downtrodden, 
somber Fabaganoush is no good for anyone, you'll notice that he doesn't talk a lot when he's got nothing to say. So now that I've wound him up, he'll hopefully deliver the goods. You also don't shut the fuck up long enough for anyone else to say anything. So. Because you don't say but, anything of, of any importance. So I need to keep the show going. So if I go to you, you give me, yeah, yeah, he's good. Sean, you were told to be nicer to me by <laughs> last of the week. By one person. <laughs> two days. By one person suggested I was teasing you. So with regard to the external review, which of course is why we're talking, we'll, we'll double back around to the chilli peppers later. Um if, and it's a very big if, knowing the Carlton Football Club, if we make this review worthwhile, if it has the desired effect, Sunday's loss to the Eagles won't mean anything. The outcome of the review, the review will be worth more than any four points. If we get out of this what we should, it's going to be better than a short-term sugar hit because we are so close. Teams are mocking us, or... Oh, or you're in shambles, you're in disarray, you're in this, that, and the other. Other teams shouldn't want us to push the broom through Royal Parade. It's the worst thing for every other it team is. in the competition. Because yeah. we are so close, and we all believe that. We've all been saying it for such a long time. We are so much closer to where we want to get to than people on the outside want to see or believe. And, and the funny thing is, journos will love it because they'll go, we rallied for this, we demanded this, we... We, we identified they needed change, but if we come good as a team, they're going to say, oh, fuck, they're good again. Oh, we didn't want that. So if we do it and we get it right, like th- this is a guilt-edged opportunity because once upon a time we were rebuilding with nothing, we now rebuild in a position where we've actually got some collateral on the table. It's just about harnessing it, focusing, focusing it, having the right leadership, having the right direction. Fabaganoush, we have done the heavy lifting. <laughs> We have done yep. all the heavy lifting. We are looking for that last couple of percent now. We've lost eight games, as we said. We've got a percentage of 92. We've lost seven of those eight games to teams in the eight. It's frustrating because we're so close. All it takes is one man. All it takes is the right man. All it takes what is for we, someone to have a yes. bit of fucking gumption. What we are needing to... I don't want to use the word rebuild because this is not a rebuild, but what we are needing to adjust, I see as the easy part of the equation, a part where the lists and the list build, which there are factions of our supporter group, one of whom I have, uh, you know, deep conversations with who, who somehow don't think the list is adequate enough. And I think, I think the list isn't the problem. So what we need to adjust is just the top end. And if you appoint the right people to drive effectively this machine that we've built, I think the rapid improvement will come, or the improvement will come quite rapidly. I think, you know, and, and I, um, you know, you and I, obviously, big man, United fans, Busby and Fergie, United, Klopp, more recently at Liverpool. Finding the right man is hard. They don't just grow on trees. It, it does take a bit of luck. It does take a bit of foresight and a bit of faith. You know, um, if, if either of you know your US, the baseball, they had Theo Epstein was this young guy who got given the keys to the Red Sox won a World Series. He broke the, arguably the worst hoodoo in world sport. Did it with the Cubs because he was the right guy. Because he knew what he was doing. He knew what had to be done. In the case of Busby and a Ferguson, I reckon we're actually quite similar. They they built their teams and their generational, you know, iconic teams on kids. They built around talent. They built around exuberance. They pinned the identity of their club 
to the vibrancy of youth. We started doing that, and it's not too late for us to continue it, and we lost our nerve. Yep. It's not too late for us to go back down that path. I mean, just in closing, I put the tweet out. I couldn't find the clip. I can't remember where I saw it, but there was this great... I could be misquoting it or misrepresenting it, but the Bill Shankly thing, which to me is just... It's us in a nutshell. The legend has it that I think he said it... He was overheard saying it in the late 70s about Manchester United, and he said, if that lot down the road ever get their act together, we're all in trouble. And his attitude was, they're so much closer to contending than they know. They don't realise. They keep scratching around thinking they're further away than they are. The minute someone gets in there and figures out, mm, maybe not, and he's the right guy, can turn the ship around. Um, we're going to start. We've got a few little headings, obviously, to tick off as we make our way through tonight's discussion, and we're going to start pretty much where I think you have to start, given he's the man driving it, <coughs> the president. So Luke Sayers is coming on board, and we can say nothing about Luke Sayers other than just at the moment anyway. Uh, he's cast himself as a man of action. Good on him. He's come in. There's an immediate sense of urgency and purpose and energy, what we've been calling for, Timbo. And we want it from Teague. Well, we're getting it from the president, and he's driving this, and it has to happen, and he's recognised that, and he's making it happen. I hear. Do you want to give me anything more than that? This is why I have to keep talking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, you're absolutely... Look, look we... In Lajudice... I think we had an administrator whose off-field and financial acumen was really, really strong. I think he'd been given a remit in his role about um, revitalising the finances of the football club, providing stability and getting the wider football club back into a position of where it needed to be. Um, We've spoken on pod before that while all that was happening, Chris Judd probably needed to have... um, the responsibility for the on-field from a board perspective, and I think the level of reluctance. I think he was, I think he was in the position in name um, more so than for what his outputs were. He was Jimmy so Dugan, I, Timbo. He was Jimmy Dugan. He was waving yeah, his little hat. Look, and, and we have said this. So, so I think, I think what the board has been able to achieve over the last two years, while it has been excellent, um, they've they've neglected an area, and now we're forced to do uh, a very, well, it won't be a quick review. The review will be as long as the review needs to be because we just have to get it right. But Sayers comes from this sort of management consultant, consultancy background that they can do these reviews. They, you know, he has this, he has the, these smarts. The million-dollar question is, is he doing it himself? Is he? Enga- I think he's engaging his own organisation to be able to run it external. up. It's going to be external. But you run a review... That's great, but who's involved? Who leads it? Whose opinions are it? What model do we follow? I got a name How for you. How do we Tim. go about it? I got a name for you. This won't happen. I'm, it's impractical. You know who the best person to lead this review would be? And if we had, well, it's, to... either, it's either Paul Ruse or Jason Dunstan. No. The Rick best Charlesworth. No. The best Flea. person, Flea, potentially. He certainly can probably should give away the music because it's just not working out. Um, you give it away the now, best, you reckon? That's what I was going for. The, the the best person to lead this review, and if we had to wait to get him, would be Brian Cook. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I know he's wrapping up at the Cats, and this sort of thing, you'd sit there and go, he would be, with. he's come out of, he's been a football administrator, leading football administrator for a very, very long time. We had a nibble at him under Pratt instead of uh, Greg Swan. Um, 
he would be, and, and unfortunately for us, he I think he's ungettable because of his ties to Geelong and he's retiring come the end of the year. But if it meant pushing pause for a little bit, I think that he's the man. I don't think we can afford to press pause, though. Th- and not now. I think we're, we're yeah. wheels are in motion. Yeah, I don't think, to be honest with you, now that they've started it, like, eh, it ends by the end of the year, like, who gives a shit? Because people know John Barker obviously knew what was coming and he walked out. But um, there was some talk to, uh, this morning, Fab, that uh, Sam Edmonds said, and I quote, would it shock you to know that the board have already made a determination to change certain things and that this review is just optics? It's already been predetermined. It's a way of making things less messy. It's a way to may, uh, to be seen to have been conducting a proper process. I've got a question for you. Do we care yep. about that? Yes and no. Yes. Well, I was asking Fab, but that's fine. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. No, no, no. Well, you, I'll have my 10 cents after you've had your 20. <laughs> um, no, because if the process or, or the structure internally was to, to review and make decisions... I don't care if it's just an optics thing. It's getting done. The fact that it's getting done is the important thing. Fab, I think you and I are sort of pretty like-minded in the sense that at football clubs, and you can chime in yes or no, Tim, but I think sometimes at football clubs you need an autocrat to just say, Mm. I'm going to live and die by this mentality. This is what we're doing. If we have to put up appearances that we're doing an external review, but we know the outcome, we're just doing it for window dressing. I actually don't care because ultimately it's Luke Sayers who's obviously taking over control. It's his vision, Fab. And yep. he's, he's going to live or die by it. And, and, and I think we, we've, we've got a few buzzwords and trigger words that we've talked about over the last two or three years. And the one word that we've always said that we want to be is ruthless. And that's on and it's off the field. And as you say, if it is more of an autocratic view of what's going on there, don't care. Because if he is that ruthless competitive winner type, that's what we need. Um, you just then have to make sure that you, your focus is right. Um, and and I think what's been clear, at least on field, is the culture around the place just isn't right. You know, the, the buy-in by players... The, the preparedness to carry out a game plan um, just doesn't seem to be as tight and as committed as it should be. And as we sort of said, you know, and, and part of this review obviously is going to be, is David Teague the guy to dictate what the Carlton game plan is moving forward? That's, yeah, I think that, that to me that... is part of the question. Um, but again, so long as, so long as we get those elements right and, even if it's driven by sales, I'm happy. I think because we're striving for excellence. Fabs, Fabs, he's got me scattered here because he's putting his hand up like he wants to say something. I'm throwing to him. He's giving me nothing. No, and then he's just, not saying anything. Say Simbo, but you don't buy into something you don't believe in. You've got to sell the message to the playing group. So if the sorry, playing group just, doesn't we, we believe, are, we're jumping ahead a little bit. We're going to talk about Teague shortly. Yeah. We're just ju- that is a, a point well made, but it'll be made, I think, properly uh, yep. soon. Um, now, I think that just closing on this, the I think the ends will justify the means. Yeah. If if this review ends up making us a better football club, I actually don't care how we get there. I don't care if it was completely upfront, transparent, external. All those words doesn't bother me because 
we become a better football club. And if that's on the back of one man's vision and drive, fantastic. If it's on the back of, uh, like I said, a transparent, full, all-encompassing review, fantastic. It doesn't bother me. The point is we need to make changes. Those changes need to happen quickly. And this is going to make them happen one way or the other. So this idea now that the media will start squabbling about who's doing it, were they up front, we shouldn't care. No, we, we don't care. No. If we're already four weeks into an eight-week review or six-week review or whatever it happens to be, I couldn't give two shits. I mean, they, we've talked about the fact that John Worsfold has come to the club in a part-time capacity and we all looked at it and thought, that just seems really, really odd. Well, if John Barker's resigned today, it is going to be on the basis of John Worsfold or someone like that giving him the tap on the shoulder and saying, look, yeah, you know, we we, we, we know sure where then. we're at. We know what we're doing, and you're not at the club next year, so sure. do with I, that what you will. I reckon JB would have had enough wherewithal just to say, "Look, I'm not going to be here, am I?" So I think he's jumped before he's been pushed. Well, I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, the, the might it, it raised questions for me of how do you then replace that person? Because if you've got a guy that's you know coaching a defensive, you know, the defensive group he doesn't then take over the midfield because he's already got a job and he's got his own assistants and he's he's doing he, he's in a role and he's he's halfway through a season so you can't have him change that role halfway through i wouldn't think Again, unless, he's, gonna, unless yeah. he's done the job before and his assistant can step up but i really feel like somebody has to slot into that role who's not really in a position like that within the group already. It might be Luke Power going from development to midfield. We'll talk about um, this because we've got assistants are on the agenda, but I think it'll it'll be a Luke Power steps up or Stanton absorbs stoppages into midfield. Or Daniel O'Keefe, who's the VFL coach, and we're not playing VFL at the moment. Maybe he takes a more senior role as well. Uh, so next on the agenda, having spoken about the president, his role in it all is obviously the central figure of the review, to be brutally honest. It's the coach. It's David Teague. Um we said, you know, fact is more coaches fail than they succeed. You know, don't get emotionally attached to somebody who actually hasn't earned that attachment, Fab. Don't, don't, we, there's no reason for the Carlton Football Club and its fans to so emotionally pin the future of the Carlton Football Club onto, in this case, David Teague. Absolutely. It's, it's not like he has the runs on the board to have that unconditional trust, love and respect. Now, whilst we all want him to do well and wanted him to do well, the results speak for themselves. And if this review process finds that he is not the man and there is a lot of talk and a lot of commentary around the fact that he may be the man and it's those around him that are going to get changed more than anything, that's not my opinion. But this review will hopefully, without any emotion attached to it, assess whether he is the right man to take us forward. Well, I think what's, what's fascinating is that was the party line a month ago. And a month later, as a football club, we're going worse than we have in a fair while. And the question now becomes, is is that enough? And so yeah, It's gone from just being the assistants that are being reviewed to being the yeah. collective, which is headed by... David T. So yeah, I, I think he's been put more in the gun from the club than he wa- or was a month ago. I Correct. don't, and I'll never understand why 
so many fans get an upset stomach over the idea of trying someone else. I don't get it. We see it all the time. Just give him time, Fab. Just give him time. He just needs time. How much more time? Yeah. And I'm not talking about David Teague. Any coach under the in the gun, or Nathan Buckley, etc. You go well. In fairness, Damien Hardwick was at Richmond. Was he ninth year? Yeah, something like that. And you're that. sort of going nine years. You know, um, Bucks is in ten years, and you're sort of going that's a long time. Yeah, that's a long is. time to be under someone's stewardship for no success. For every good luck story where it turns around, there are tenfold that don't happen. Why didn't the Saints give Scotty Waters more of a go, Fab? Because <laughs> he was useless. Why didn't the Demons back in Mark Neald? Because he was a nutcase. So why didn't we and just? He, and he was why abusive. Didn't, why didn't we just keep the faith with Mick? Because he was senile. But there's all these things you go, no one argues those points. No. Because they go, well, yeah, with David T, we have regressed. So this idea of just give him time, just give him time, just give him time, or he needs more support, going, well, maybe it's the other option, Fab. Yeah. Maybe he's just not up to it. So the other thing for me, Timbo, out of the whole David T discussion is, in his ascent to the role, and this is something that Fab and I were speaking about off pod, it's so funny that, in AFL football, when you sack a coach, you just employ one of his lieutenants, who is usually less experienced. Less experienced than buying into the PI that the bloke that you got, um, you just give him the ask to is is utilising. And bizarre. you're going, well, yep. if the old, if the last bloke, unless he has a personality issue, um, if what he's doing isn't good enough, why is his assistant going to do any better? So why do you expect things to change when you're just picking from the crew that has failed already? And in our case, we had a lot of remnants of a Bolton era that didn't work. We had a couple from the latter days of a Mick era. And then now, obviously, Teague's his own thing. In his ascent to the role, Tim, he won us over by doing simple things well. And he grabbed at the low-hanging fruit to make us better quicker, and we enjoyed that short-term sugar hit. But now, do you agree with what I'm going to say here? It is my opinion. That he's coaching for himself in his tenure. He's not coaching for the best interests of the football club, medium to long term? I think it's reasonable to assume that that's become the shift and that's that's the frustrating side of it because... Um, and, and, ma- and maybe... Yeah, but has that, been a, has that been a club directive? Sorry to cut you off, Tim, but has that been a club directive? Possibly. With, you know, Little always did say, or didn't always say, but Little came out and said the time for development, and we'll touch this after, the time for development is over. And he, uh, yeah. I, I think the club wanted to focus more on winning, and that, look, which is that's what we want to do, but win at all costs. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, we, no, we, we we went away from the overall plan, which was to, you know, basically develop this collective group of young talent together. And now we've kind of, I, I think the club directive, led by Kane Little, changed a little bit of that as as well. I think T is a really great guy, as a lot of those those figures in footy clubs are. I think he's fantastic. But the question that you need to ask is, is he a senior coach? Like I remember Fab having a having a conversation with Mark Bosnich, and I asked him, uh, who was your favourite coach during his professional career, and he didn't even hesitate. He goes, Steve McLaren. And I went, oh, okay. Go. What was the deal? You know, why do you reckon it didn't work out for Steve in a couple of those high-profile, naturally, as manager of England and a couple of high-profile-ish jobs 
Um, and he goes, I think he was probably... He goes, I think maybe he was just an unbelievable assistant manager. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. It's not a problem. He goes, I think he was, maybe he was just... He was a brilliant assistant. So the question we have to ask of Tiggy, is he a senior coach? Can he rally the troops? Can he inspire them? Can he flick the switch between tough and tender, Tim? Can he do all of the things that a senior coach has to do every minute of every day? And and, and the twofold question to that is, he may very well be, but will he retain the opportunity to be able to show that he is? And from that, <laughs> Let me so that... answer your question, Fab, with another question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it, it's it's the quintessential sliding doors moment, and um, and and I've always said it when you talk about um, when you talk about this coaching scenario is you only get to choose one horse. You only you, you can only ride one horse at any one point in time. You can't say, David T, you're gonna you're gonna coach round two, Railing. and <laughs> and Ross Lyon, you're gonna coach round three. And then Don Pike, we're bringing you in, and you can coach round four. And on the basis of what we see, we'll make a decision. All you can do is interview, understand, you know, the the, the backgrounds, you know, uh, have your references, know what you've got, and then work out whether with the right amount of development can we develop this guy into being one of the great AFL coaches. And that's... That's your opportunity. But at some point, you've got to be able to say, we're putting time into this bloke and this guy is going to be a solid B-plus student. A solid B-plus student as our coach isn't enough. We need, we need the best of the best. And we're just going to make sure that we've got... If, if, if we need better, we get better. I'll give you one, Fab, um, and it's a point well made by Tim, is that ultimately... When people start saying support Tiggy more, he just needs more support. At what point do you go? No, well, that's too much. If you're the senior coach, you don't need the quote unquote the training wheels. If you're a senior mm. coach, how self sufficient do you need to be before more resources, more resources to support him become too many? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's funny that you mentioned the training wheels thing because Juddy came out when the process was going, you know, before we appointed Teague, that we didn't want someone with training wheels. Now, whether he thought that David Teague was not of a senior coaching standard or, you know, whether he saw something himself. But um, absolutely, like the, the characteristics of a senior coach and that of an assistant coach marry up with certain things, but then the senior coach also has to tick five or six other boxes that set him apart. And if you can't do that, then you, maybe you're not cut out to be a senior coach. You only know that once you're put into the situation. Once you're put in the firing line, can you do it? And perhaps he's just not the man. Perhaps he just doesn't have those traits. Assistant coaches could put your, you know their, their arm around players and talk to them on a more personal level. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, but the senior coach just, he has to be the driving force behind not just not just on game day, but the whole 
club. Totally he's still got to be approachable. He's still got to have the empathy behind it. He's not. He's not the authoritarian that's sitting up in his no, no, it's not, on no, his not balcony just, and shouting and pointing and going, "Thou shalt do this, thou yeah, shalt do that." It's not just about telling people off and yelling and screaming and getting players to play out of spite and or out of fear. But you've also got to be able to motivate. Yep, I think there's the whole thing. Fat- you know, we, we'd run through a wall for him. Who do you think at the Carlton Football Club is running through a wall for David Teague? Eddie Betts, Mitch Sam McGovern, Wal- Sam Walsh. I think um, I think there's an element too. We that model that Fab, you know, you, you and I have spoken about it many, many times before. A club will do it; they'll do it right, and that'll become the model. Alex Ferguson, those guys, Jose, Arsene Wenger, whatever, they're not taking drills. No, they're not. They're not doing that. They're the manager, and that's kind of slowly seeping into football a little bit. But the, the idea of the head coach is. Is not yet um, the manager. A, a manager rather than a coach. It's a, it's a fine line. Uh, talking about his assistants, that's the next um, next bullet point here on my run sheet. Just going through these guys pretty quickly, and, and these guys will obviously all be in the gun, uh, so to speak. Our forwards coach is Cam Bruce, and, and you know, as a top top down overview, he's never really had our forward line humming Timbo. We've always been dysfunctional under his stewardship. We don't work together. We don't seem to have any discernible leading patterns. We rarely create good set shop opportunities to score in high percentage areas. That part of the ground has never looked convincing under him. In fairness, under him, I don't think he's had um, all of his soldiers available at any one point in time. So I preface the commentary on that basis as well. But as you say, from a stylistic perspective and what you expect your players to be doing and creating opportunities and being dynamic. No, I don't say. Baba do you have anything to offer there? Yeah, I don't. And I think a lot of the times we focus more on the midfield's ability to provide for our forwards, but I, I tend to agree that he can't be without blame in this situation. And Timmy's right. He's 100% right. We have never had our optimal starting six in there. But when you talk structure, it's regardless of personnel. Well, just look at the Eagles on Sunday. Yeah. You know, we've we've had to live with this long enough that a solution or a workaround should have reasonably been expected. Yep. Dynamite, Alba Ganoush. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. Why is on the big bus? <laughs> you've, you've proven the point. I'm, I'm sort of both annoyed and happy. Um, we go to defence, Dale Amos, which is an interesting, an interesting one to appraise because we're okay defensively in the sense that the individuals down there, Tim, do more than what we should reasonably expect of them. But on the flip side, you go, is Amos a victim of structure and philosophy in other parts of the ground? Is, is he in, is he inheriting defensive problems because of the way we want to play forward of the defensive 50? Because nobody defends like us. Is that on him or is it on someone else and he's just unfortunately been left with it? Or are, we, it, I, or are I, we stacked with talent in that area of the ground? No, and, and look, I, I think that the, the answer is the head coach is responsible for the wider system 
because as you said, we have very good defenders, but we just don't have a very good defence. And and you like it's it's kitschy and all that sort of stuff, but you'll always hear football people going, "There's 18 defenders on the field at any one point in time," and and you're going, "Yeah, look, there is," because Eddie Betts is one of the best defenders going around, but he plays forward. But it's it's you have the ability to be able to affect the contest. And, and the hardest thing in football is getting the ball off the opposition when they have it. There are only so many ways that you can actually do that, and that becomes the art and the strategy of coaching, of saying, how do you get the ball off the opposition? And, and sometimes, for us, the only way it happens is they kick a point and we get to kick it in. Um, well, what are you doing? And, but, when, uh, but when we structure well up the ground, our defence is commanding. When we force teams to do what we want them to do, yeah, and our the ball comes in slower. Yep, our defence is impregnable. Yeah, I think Faber Ganoush, What was the um, what was the time frame? It was the classic Barcelona model, and, and particularly under Pep Guardiola, was if we lose the ball, we get it back in three seconds. Yeah, I think it was a bit more than three seconds, but yeah, it was but quick. it's not. It's not this. It's the idea is that yeah, yeah, if we lose the ball, the pressure for the next ten seconds is unrelenting on the ball. Yeah. Yep. And you kind of go, that was just the philosophy and it's drummed into him, it's drummed into him that, yeah, we, we, we will lose the football. We will commit skill errors. We will turn it over. When we do, yep. we apply the most manic, insatiable, unbelievable pressure until it just comes back to us because they can't deal. Um, we go now to mids and stoppages. Obviously, uh, Johnny Barker departs his commission as the stoppages coach. We mused just before about what will happen in a reshuffle. I think the problem with our mids, Timbo, is... We very rarely seem to deploy what would likely be our best setup. We, we seem to be moving guys around. With you know, people are going to speak about your um, your Liam Stocker types, your Samos, etc. Uh, even a Maddie Kennedy doesn't get much of a look in when he plays in that area of the ground. We don't ever seem to play to the obvious strengths we have there. Yeah, that the match committee and selection philosophy at times has just been bizarre um, and you know in isolation you know individual def- decisions you can go and look they, they may be working on something here they might be working on something there but so often there are so many different odd peculiar things especially when as you sort of said when David Teague first came to the helm he said we're going to get guys to play the roles that they were recruited to play that they have their strengths in doing and when he came in and he did it and everyone was freed up and played naturally, it, it actually worked and, and we looked good and we looked we looked um, confident within ourselves and we were unburdened. Um, now we're, we're trying to manufacture things. And I, I've said before, I have no issues with Stocker playing on a defence. If you're teaching him um, to play certain roles, get him up to speed before his tank's ready to run through the midfield all the time, little things like that. You're going, if that's your MO, fine. But the fact that you're doing it all the time, I really liked Sam Petrescu-Seaton playing on the half-back line. I really thought that he would what? operate as a really good spring for... No, prior to him doing it, okay. Sean. Uh, I liked the concept. The idea of it, yeah. Uh, the, the idea of it. It hasn't worked, though. And so ultimately you say, no, I want Samo on the wing inside midfield or forward of or forward of midfield. That that's where I want to see him. There's nothing wrong football. with the idea of it. No, exactly. To and, and we try the length yes. of time. Correct. It's the persisting that is wrong. And to stifle Correct. 
someone's career to the Correct. point where they potentially aren't going to be there next season. Correct. I think the thing and, is Sabo and, too. And similarly, you go with your Zach Fisher forward, small forward, which he does really, really well. But is Zach Fisher a wingman? Do we want to do we want Zach Fisher playing wing half forward more than what he's been doing? I mean, he's been out for a big chunk of this year, and he missed a chunk of last year as well. So it's a really hard one to balance up. When they but went for there's, when there's, they went for fish forward, you know the funny thing is, like they went for fish forward out of necessity because we needed that shaped peg for that shaped hole. And they sort of went small, pacey, go crafty, bit of goal sense. Fisher isn't exactly a small forward, but he kind of looks like a small forward. You know the package. So we'll play him there. Well, Matt Owies is just doing that. Yeah. So play Fish further up the ground where he can touch the ball a bit more often and just give them and, that small ball to Owies. And Matt Owies is actually impacting. He's not getting huge volume, and I, I, I won't hang the bloke on that, but what he is is a very accurate set shot. He's taking his opportunities. He's putting pressure on. The pressure's and, there. The pressure's yeah. there from Matt Owies. I'll yeah. al- okay, I'll ask the question. He's not our, he's not our best player, no, no, but he, regard- he, he, he's, not, he's not failing by any stretch. With regard but to it's this- the opportunity cost of, yeah. you know, wh- where do you deploy your talent? With, with regard to that's the question. Is Matt Owies worth less than Zach Fisher in that role? Is Zach Fisher worth more up the ground? Yes, he is. You go, well, yeah. yeah. The net, we could talk about the net, the net, you know, plus minus. The net of Fisher further up the ground and always closer to goal is positive. Um, Correct. And then lastly, Fab, just in terms of our development, clearly a, a massive issue. It needs to be an enormous focus of the football club out of this review, our development. We need, and unfortunately in COVID time, it's um, it's, a, it's a shame because somebody probably could have got a really good junket out of it. Um, we need to go and talk to, as silly as it sounds, Melbourne City, we need to go and get some intel from the City Football Group, who in 10 years have become, they went from really nothing to an incredible production line of talent and their philosophy, which was borrowed very heavily from um, uh, from Barcelona yep. and La Masia or La Masia. Uh, they basically... Also provided us with the greatest, one of the greatest moments on pod. We were talking about Pep Guardiola down at uh, Kingsbury yeah, Mackers on down Plenty, Plenty Road. Road. Imagine that. Pep Guardiola has been on Plenty Road. Yeah, you're going, what the fuck is with this Where traffic? am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the man who's held aloft the Champions League trophy at Wembley and he was driving yeah. down Plenty Road. Um, but go to these development-focused clubs, pick their brains, because we need to become the best development program in the country. That's a priority. And it's been our shortfall for such a long time. The fact that it is yet to be addressed is its astounding. And, and, and I, I threw Rick Charlesworth out there for exactly the same reason. I mean, Rick Charlesworth has been one of our most successful coaches on any level anywhere in Australia <laughs> I knew you were going to over, say Rick over the last 20 years. No, but my, I just the, knew the point, Sean, bear with me. It's actually You're going to get really John Bertrand point. in as well? Well, no, I'm not going to go John. He actually was walking across the street the other day when I was trying to turn when I was going into work. Whole other story. Um, but if you're an Olympic coach in a team sport, at some point you've got to say, like, you're going to coach, and it's the same as World Cups and all that sort of stuff. You're going to you're going to have a group that goes up to an event that only runs every four years. At some point, once you've gotten to the point of going, this is what we're deploying for the 2012 Olympics. As soon as it's done, you're going to say, what does my team look like for 2016 or whatever, four years later? 
and 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 you you know you like Coach Gaines in Friday Night Lights. You know you, you're chucking out the the magnets off the board and you're putting the next the next guys in and you've got to develop them to be ready in four years' time. You've got to be able to transition them from being the next level of high quality juniors into performers within four years. That's basically where we're at, probably where we needed to be two years ago, to be honest. But you've got to get you, you want to be able to pick the brains of the people who are going, well, how did you identify the right guys? And what did you need to do to make them better? Was Rick Charlesworth, how long was he the uh, coach for the Australian swimming team? Uh, Rick Charlesworth was actually a hockey coach. Um, oh, you're right. Who I'm am I hockey, thinking about? Yeah, hockey Roos. I'm, hockey I'm Roos. not sure that he's much of a No, no, who am I thinking Rick. about? <laughs> who's Wasn't the, he a first-class cricketer for WA? No, yeah, I think he's a pretty good sports person. Who's the guy I'm thinking about? Laurie well, Lawrence? Well, Don, Don Talbot was the Don head Talbot. coach of Australian swimming for a long period it's of time. It's Don Talbot. Yeah, Bill Sweetenham had the job before him. And then yeah, more recently they had... Um, they had a, a Dutch bloke that yep. was in charge. Yeah, Kyle um, Van der, What was his name? Peter Van den Hoogenband? I uh, coached him, yeah. yeah. I was asking, was he the coach? Whatever. We don't want to get talking about Do you know what else I'm thinking about? Another great moment on pod. Rick Charlesworth, the swimming coach? <laughs> no, when you brought up uh, Inga... De Bruin. Inga yeah. De Bruin. And I said, Kevin's mum. And yeah. Sean gave me nothing. Because it was not funny. <laughs> Still not it funny. It still is. It's still brilliant. No, it's I, not, I st- did enjoy that one. It's not funny at all. Um, next on the agenda, but but, but I did actually think that quickly. I was trying to, I was just sort of thinking if you want to look outside of football and say who are the people that you could call on to review what's happening at the football club, who are the sorts of people that you would talk to, and the first name that came to my mind was Rick Charlesworth. But I, I'd be fat. I'm just I'm I'd trying like to get football my head around. You know, could it be? The people like Lindsay Gaze and Brian Gorgian, no, you know, coming from another people. sport. I want football people. Yeah, yeah no, I, think I, they, I think they, I think they, I think they need to understand football problems. So, who is Luke Sayers leaning on as part of this review, with a football basis to be able to get us to where we need to get to? I don't know. Like, Luke hasn't like, responded to my text yet, so I'm not sure. This is where your football director, correct, needs to be that sounding board, correct? Because he is the link between the actual football department. And the board. He is. Now, unfortunately, and we will I preface this by saying we love Chris Judd, the footballer. Love him. love him. But he has always been a reluctant executive, as he was a reluctant captain. You're going to trot this and one but, out every two or three weeks, Fab? You've said this. I reckon I've heard you say this on pod three times. But he's, yeah, but he, so he is the bloke who <laughs> Luke Sayers should be leaning on. But he's leaving. Well, and so, so the bottom line is, the, well, the, fir- the, the, the first thing on? the first thing that the review is going to probably address is who is the football director. Yeah, like that's, he, that's Luke practically isn't going to listen. Isn't going to listen to the Ian Prendergast and go, oh, he may. Might do. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk now about the playing group. So they're obviously a key component of this whole review. Um, do they still believe? Does the coach still have their complete buy-in? Like I, I sometimes scoff when. A mutiny is mooted, and people turn on the players because you sort of go, "Well, they're the only ones who can say definitively whether the coach is doing it for them." Well, well it's I, funny I, that yeah. Lepichka's come out this morning, and he's basically he's basically said that's bad form on behalf of the players for doing so, and that, that if he found out who was leading such a mutiny, he'd be, have them. Be the first ones out of the joint. What's happened to Bryce Gibbs? Is that what happened to Bryce? Oh, you don't have to be uh, 
Poirot to connect the dots as to why Bryce Gibbs stopped getting the game. Oh, you're talking about at Adelaide? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But, yeah. This whole thing when a mutiny happens, Timber, is I, I just, I'm like, well, of course they're going to be the ones who are most disgruntled and whose opinions, to be brutally honest, are most relevant. Relevant or irrelevant? Relevant. I'd reckon relevant, yeah. Tim. Yeah, yeah, but then as you say, if, you know, 40 blokes on the list and and the direction of your group skews away from you, like Matt Kennedy can't get a game in our midfield because he's perceived as a big-bodied, slower midfield midfielder, he can't be playing in the same midfield as Patrick Cripps. And you sit there and you're going, I can appreciate that, I get it, and I can accept it. But if Matt Kennedy turned around and goes, I reckon the system is fucked, um, he may be bang on, but it's very, very easy to say, yeah, but you're just shitty, Matt, because you're not getting a game. What if Matt's, and so, what if so, Matt's and, not being and, and, and communicated? And where does the truth lie? What's, what if Matt's not being communicated to? Oh, look, I absolutely get it. Absolutely get what it. What if he's and, not and, being given a path and, and back and there's into got to the be a why. Team. And as you say, you, you give him the forum to be able to say, well, tell me, Matty, what isn't working and what could be better. And even if it's better, does it mean you still get a game? And he might say... No, no, I, I think where football's at and where my outputs are, Carlton's the wrong fit for me and hopefully I can apply my trade elsewhere. However, as a Carlton person now, I think these things need to be addressed. These things are not working well. I think the culture of the joint shot, people aren't buying in. We've got um, silos operating everywhere. Everyone's looking after themselves. We're not working well as a team. The bottom line and is... If that's the feedback that comes through, you're going, well, shit, you listen to that well and truly. The bottom line is that everyone who's not playing... Is probably unhappy that they're not playing. Absolutely, it's how and, you manage and, pr- and pride will do that. It's how you manage that, Fab. It's how you Absolutely. manage people wanting to play who aren't playing. Why aren't you playing? How do we get you back in the team? And, and I, we've I, raised that before. I watch a yes, few of our guys play twos, man. They play yeah. like guys who have no direction back in the team. Yeah, yeah. They need they need clear messaging and clear direction. This is what I want you to do. To even have me consider you to play seniors. And you know what else needs to happen? We spoke this is about the criteria. We spoke about the Samo thing too, where I think sometimes guys would probably do a bit of reflecting upon their own careers, not even when the career's done, but they'd probably sit there and say, like a guy like Samo might be sitting there thinking, I really probably should have pushed back harder on... And maybe he did, but I probably should have been pretty firm out. I don't, I don't want to play half-pack. And just be going, yep. going if that's going to cast me out, with the benefit of maturity later on, if that's going to cast me out for saying, look, I don't think that's in my wheelhouse, I don't think that's my strength, I don't think that's going to get the best out of me, well, you need to say it. And then the coach actually needs to be strong enough to go, okay, fair enough, respect that you've actually had the balls to go, I don't think that's a good idea. Not yes, sir, yes, sir, no, yes, yeah. He actually went, realistically, mate, I've got some misgivings about playing there. Maybe he has had those conversations. Well, you would hope that the lines of communication between player and coach or line coach or development coach or football director or whoever, welfare manager, whatever, is strong enough that um, that all that sort of stuff is out on the table. And, and, and to be able to say, I, think you're, I don't think you're using me in the best manner for my team and, and maybe, you know, we talked about Zach Fisher before, maybe they went through the pros and cons of him being forward and midfield and ultimately Zach's gone, that's fine. You want me to play forward, I'll play forward, I get it. I'm on board. 
my preference is elsewhere, but you've got me 110% here. Um, but it does just make you wonder. You know, my issue with that is too, Fab, is that when you're, when you're a fringe player, and a fringe player has a better understanding of, oh, I've just got to take what I'm given. Oh, I yeah. could be a full forward, but if they need me to play full back, and that's the only way I'm getting the game, you'll take, you'll take the I, I've just got to do it. But when we, we do it to Liam Stocker, who's got good skills, Zach Fisher, who's got good skills, Samo, who's got good skills, we aren't shunting around players who are utility types. Yeah. yeah. And that causes... The, Mat- the Matty Cottrells of the world, that, that's fine. Yes, and that causes friction within the group, and there's been a bit of That's chatter right. about that, misgivings about selection. But just just while I stay with you, Fab, playing devil's advocate, our culture is clearly lacking. It's been poor for a while. And that means that certain players know nothing but a bad mentality, bad habits, and they might, they might not even be aware that they're bad. That's just all they've ever known. Once mm. you create a culture, that culture is passed down. It is inherited by the next group and passed on again. And that's why and it's hard to eradicate. It's, it's hard, very to eradicate. hard to eradicate. And that's why I've sometimes been fairly outspoken about certain older generation players and not being wedded to them. A Simo, an Ed Kerno, Murphy's getting to that point. All those types, fat, is that they know nothing but bad habits. They've been part of it. They've inherited them. They've passed them on. And they're not the agent of change. Thanks, and fat. that's why it was important when we got a Chris Judd. And this is what people don't understand when the stupid debate keeps rearing its ugly head, the, the Kennedy v. Judd. Culturally, Judd knew nothing but winning. And he went about things a certain way, and we needed that. And it's dropped off back to where it was. And Did Judd really change when you, it when you, enough? When you watch interviews... Sorry, mate? Did Judd change it enough? He set a standard. Did he? He set a standard. yeah. He set a standard as, as to – he led by example. He led by example. Now, I, I, th- I think he made meaningful change. Um, I think potentially his legacy could have been even greater if it could have flowed through further and longer. Yeah. I, when you watch interviews with people like Aaron Hamill, when he left Carlton and went to St Kilda, and he said the contrast in culture – between St Kilda and Carlton when he arrived was that Carlton, he came from this thing at Carlton, you win. That's what that's what Carlton stands for, you win. And he said he could understand why St Kilda had not been successful. The minute he walked in the door, we are that now. I think it was David Rhys-Jones may said on the radio or something. We've gone from a winning culture to this losing culture and it is Difficult to shake. It hasn't happened overnight. It's happened over a very long no, time. No, it's happened over a very long time. I think um, there's an, one of my favourite little. Um, we always try to make it about wrestling where we can. There was a great, great thing Chris Jericho was talking about when he went from WCW to WWF, and he said, "Timbo, come on, Timbo." And he goes, "I was just quietly choking." He, he went from a ramshackled organisation which was run by egos and individuals, at the WCW was just. On its on its knees, it was dying a very slow death. And he goes, I walked into the WWF. He goes, it was like the Wizard of Oz. He goes, open yep. the door. It was like it was color. Because it was like it was a well-run, well-oiled, hierarchical system, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I can only imagine what it was like for guys going the other way. You'd be going, oh, this is a mess. And mm. we've become that. So That's think- how my mate Rob described going from East Germany to West Germany. 
he's from Poland and he said like when he went through because it was like going from black and white to colour. It's very grey. It's very grey in Berlin. Um, and that, that brings me to this. Mark Murphy, I don't know if we spoke about this as directly as this the other night. Tim, Tim, come on. Um, so Mark Murphy, been an absolute champion of the football club, a stalwart of the football club, um, a true sort of modern Carlton great. He's had an outstanding career with us. He's been loyal. Uh, I hate the snide pot shots people take at him. I, I can't stand them. I can't stomach them. I think they lack respect. Um, I'm actually moved to call them up when I see them. We need to have a sit-down with Murph, if they haven't already, Brad Lloyd, Kane Little, David Teague, and tell him, point blank, you will play 300 games. We will get you to 300 games by hook or by crook. You have our word. That is it. And then the rest is up to you. No, no, that's it. You retire. Well, maybe, maybe. Just go, we will get you to 300 games. Nathan Jones at Melbourne, that's gone under the radar. That's exactly what happened at Melbourne. Just go, we will get you there. We are absolutely committed to getting you there because it's the recognition and acknowledgement you deserve and have earned. And it's the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do. And we are 100% committed to it, but that's it. And we are happy for you to go out on a great note walking off into the sunset yourself because he has been fantastic for us and I understand why people go after him. I don't do it myself because I think he deserves more respect than that. But that's what we need to do as a football club. And that's why Ed Kerno's in the same boat. That's why Simo was in the same boat last year. These are guys who have all played good footy for us, some better than others, some for longer than others. But the Carlton Football Club will endure if Ed Kerno doesn't play again, if Mark Murphy doesn't play again, if Cade Simpson retires. Yeah. That's the, be- I, 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 that's I the beauty of football clubs. You know, players of football clubs in the grand scheme of histories and all that sort of stuff, whether you play one game or 301 games, very, very quickly you're going to arrive and you're going to go. And you can have one of the greatest legacies of all time, but your playing career is very, very short and you're a custodian of the football club while, you're, while you are there and you have to respect it, you have to honour it, and, and you'll have the same thing come back to you threefold afterwards but once you're out and once it's once it's gone, somebody else will come through. You know, it's it, it doesn't end when these greats finish. Um, so you've just got to be, you've just got to make sure that you're giving it everything while you're there. Take what you can get out of the game. Become a better person because of it. Set yourself up for life and all that sort of stuff. And be a Carlton person forever beyond that as well. But your playing days are going to come to an end. And that, and, that, uh, and and we've always got to be trying to be better. We have to be ruthless. And that conversation, Fab, is why for me, everything in this review, everything is on the table. The captaincy, everything is yep. on the table. You know, if, if Paddy Cripps has his nose out of joint because the review determines maybe you're not a captain, you're not the right man to captain this club, if his nose is out of joint and worst case scenario he leaves, that's a kick in the guts. But the club will endure. Mm. Absolutely, and th- don't don't take this as we want Patrick Cripps or no. don't care if Patrick Cripps isn't here. That's the furthest thing from from the truth. It's not funny, but you're 100 percent right. If the review finds that Paddy or Sam, the captaincy just doesn't suit you, and that their noses get out of joint, well, so be it. We have to, every element of the football department, every element of the football department needs reviewing. Captaincy is one of them. 
out at Sam Mitchell. And, and, and obviously one of the things at the moment as well is have now having a vacancy as an assistant coach. You've got Cripps out of contract, but we're hoping that he re-signs. You've got Harry Mackay, who needs to sign a contract for next year and is being offered huge dollars elsewhere. Equally, we've just traded Taylor Harris from our women's team elsewhere, who was a player who 18 months ago you would say she would never leave. You would you would never move that player on. But we did the same thing with Bree Davey and we probably benefited from it, even though Davey had a great season this last year gone. There's rumours going around that Stocker's not happy at the football club and it's a cultural thing. You know, you worry about Paddy Dow and how happy he is there. SPS has been talked about, you know, going back to Perth. A big thing we need to be looking at is cultures and attitudes and ultimately players may leave but as you say they may actually end up leaving for the right reasons relative to what Carlton Football Club needs going forward. I would hope all of them come back because while they're our players we love them but if the right move is to have not have those players at our club for whatever reason and I'm not saying that there's any groundswell of conversation that says that we don't want them but until they're signed there is the risk that they might go, but part of this part of this review, we just we, we need to know what we want, what we value, what we need, and go as hard as we can to make sure that we keep it, retain it, or bring in what we don't have. You know, what I'd, ask, I'd ask them, Fab. I'd sit down with these guys and say, give um give Callan Ward a phone call. Yeah. Ask him if he regrets leaving. Give Ryan Griffin a phone call. Got Brett Delidio's hmm. number. Give him a call. Yeah, less so with Brett. I think Brett wasn't really given an option. Uh, no, I think he wanted to go. You reckon? Yep. Just go give him a call. Ask him if they regret moving on. And there's a lot. There's heaps of names. Nick Stevens. There's heaps of names. Guys that have left because they're tired and they're not going anywhere and this place is stagnant. And they Stevens was pushed out. Nick Stevens was pushed out of Port Adelaide. He was pushed out of Port Adelaide. He's one of their best Timbo, players. If Timbo says he was pushed out, I believe him. Why was he pushed out of Port Adelaide? because the club committed to uh, not drinking in an effort to try and win one of the premierships before they did, and he was out on the piss that weekend, was seen by players, uh, seen by um, staff of the football club, and in fact, even at board level, level, I believe, and the senior playing group pulled him up on the Monday and said, why were you out on Saturday night when, as a club, we've said, this is what we're committing to doing? And he goes... I wasn't there. It wasn't me. Why did they steer him? So why did they steer him down and lose him for nothing then? Well, that was that was completely separate. They decided that he was gone, but they were standing up to saying we're not we're not going to get screwed over with a shit decision. We're going to prove that we're not going to be a club that's going to get you know uh, pissed on by opposition and and be given a rubbish trade in response for him. And a year later, they won a premiership. Mm, Not sure if the two are linked. The the, the getting nothing for him had more to do with the dealings with Collingwood. Tim, by let that pen go. Uh, we're going to move on now to the footy Am I the only one picking up that clicking? I'm picking it up. I'm picking up Tim's fucking ruffling around. I'm picking up everything. Uh, we're going to speak now about the footy boss. Obviously, Brad Lloyd, he'll be a key component as well. He'll be um, spoken about at great length as part of this review process. Um, Fab, under Brad Lloyd's stewardship, I put it to you that the club has sold short its future and the future of many of our young players. Is he a strong enough advocate for the medium to long-term vision of the club's list and its philosophy, because that's his role, to ensure we have a plan and to stick to it. I don't think he has the conviction to carry it out. 
personally. I just and it's it's hard to judge these things externally because you're not in the four walls to to kind of see what happens behind you know behind the closed door, so to speak. But he has to be the driver, the driver of what our direction is. Mate, he's this is the direction steward. we're going. He, he has to drive it and he has to ensure that every element of the football department is on track and remains on track. And if it's not, to realign it. He has to butt heads with everyone and anyone who is counterproductive to the club's goal. He has to hold his nerve in the face of opposition or uncertainty. He has to shepherd, having been a key architect of the actual plan, he has to then shepherd that plan through to completion. And yep. a part of that, and if, it, and, and, and if it stuffs up, he goes. He wears it because it's That's his right. vision. But you have to, you have to. The conviction needs to be there. Timbo's wanting us to throw to him. I do this very nervously. The trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> I just a question just occurred to me, and and Sean, your answer will be a very sharp, short, one word answer. I know. <laughs> Maybe. Should Stephen Silvani have a role in this review? No. And, and I find that really peculiar, Sean. Again, we talked about the disgruntled footballer and where he sits. Stephen Silvani's obviously been at the club for a long time, both as a successful player. He's, as you sort of said, it was his stewardship that brought a lot of the talent to this table. He's had two sons that have gone through the football club. He currently has one there. He is going to have his finger on the pulse of what's either right or what is wrong at the football club. He may not be absolutely the coalface, but Tim he Davis. will be aware. So why wouldn't you ask the question? Okay, I'll, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against interviewing him. Correct. But that's it. He's not. He's not leading it. Yeah. I'm, no. I'm I thought you meant like no, no. I didn't. I didn't, the I didn't, with the clipboard and I the didn't think you said. I didn't think you were saying he should lead the review, but be no, part no, no. of the the panel. I've got no problem with them talking to Silvani. And I think they should. And interviewing him and saying, okay, well, what do you think's gone wrong? And having it on the record. The danger of that is he obviously has a bit of an axe to grind with the current administration. He might be out for blood and that could colour his opinion, his views, his, his um, what he's saying. But I think, Fab, we were talking you know, about what, what Lloyd is there to do. Lloyd is there to be the guy who the coach goes to and then he goes to the CEO and basically says, this is the plan, this is the path forward, this is what we're doing. Part of that should have been to years ago to play Stocker, to play Dow, to play O'Brien, to play Samo, to play all these guys. And we spoke about it on Sunday night, would we be any worse off had we played those guys than we are at the moment? The answer is no. So I think we've bowed to public pressure a little bit lately. I think the fans have lent on the club and gotten our way a little bit with guys like Dow. Sort of but, but, that, but as you say, you just said that would have been the right decision. So the fact that we're saying it and they're following it is yeah. But they shouldn't. They they shouldn't be reacting to they, give us no. What they we shouldn't want. be. But that's because they're not running it well enough themselves. That's what I, exactly right. So, and what if the review turns out that Brad Lloyd's the wrong bloke? Well, he's gone. Yeah, I think that. I to be honest with you, I think that's a very real possibility. That this people aren't. I don't think talking loudly enough. Fab. Brad who, Lloyd, who are the other? Who are the other candidates? Well, it doesn't matter who the other candidates are in terms of determining if this guy's right or wrong for the role. Yeah, but that's obviously what the review does. It, it, it to the absolute finest detail assesses what you would want to see 
at every single level and, and the capabilities that you have and work out, you know, again, as we sort of said before, is the bloke that's there only a B plus? You know who or, or you know, God forbid he's a C or a D. You know who I'd be asking? I, I might have mentioned this a couple Neil of weeks. Neil No, I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. No idea if he's got the skill set. Do your due diligence, Fab. Find out. Investigate it. I said, yeah, you personally. It's going to get right. you involved in this pod one way or another. Um, <laughs> what we want to do is go back down the highway. I said, Brian Cook, what's Stephen Wells doing? Yeah. I'd be happy with that. Is, has, he, but has he got that experience? Has he got that skill set? Ask the question. Have a chat. Couldn't get more experienced man in footy. Talent, you know, eye for talent, all that kind of stuff. As your boss of footy, you're sitting there going, that's a bit of a promotion that would maybe freshen him up after many years as a recruiting guru. And this is not us saying we've retired Brad Lloyd here and now, but you kind of you asked for, you asked for <laughs> if, a, the, if the review was to show that that is a deficiency, then he is an option. Yeah, that's exactly what we're right. You know what I'd love exactly to see right. before we kind of move off, Fab. You know what I'd love to see us do in the next game. What I would absolutely love, and I actually got—I'm not going to lie to you guys. I actually, when I thought about this, I made the note. I got goosebumps, and I thought, imagine if we were playing in Melbourne. Imagine if we were playing a home game, and the club's been through this tumult. We go to the bye, everyone's heads are on the chopping block. We go to the first centre bounce and our starting four in the centre square are TDK, Sam Walsh, Paddy Dow and Liam Stocker. Would be nice. Just as a symbolic, this is who we're back in the first centre bounce. This yep. is who we're back in at the first centre bounce of this game. We've been through the Ma- shit. Imagine we played the game, we won by 12 goals because all of a sudden the fire was back on the players and the way that they banded together. But you get that, being you judged. Get that whole of club, you get that whole of club buying again as well. Imagine the little, the, we've introduced a new pod phrase, the Adam Hartlett handball. It's just the, the, little, the little positive. The one Adam Hartlett handball. Imagine the, imagine the Hartlett handball effect if we won the centre clearance. The HHE. Like, like, you sit there and go, that's what gave me goosebumps. I sort of thought, how good would it be if we saw those four guys rock up to the centre bounce and they actually won, they won the clearance? Yep. You go, fucking hell, there we go. That's that's what we're all about. Dynamite drop-in, Fab. That's why you're the best in the business. Um, we'll stay with you. Does Brad Lloyd, and this is my bugbear with him, this is my criticism of him, does he identify and act on problem areas quickly enough? It feels like he does a lot of reacting it doesn't appear to be. Yeah, he, he appears to be. He appears to be a very, very reactive and not proactive. Now, again, we don't know if internally that he is raising certain things and they're just not actioned in the appropriate time, and therefore they appear to be reactionary because they're just taking long to implement, but. From the outside, yeah, he does. It, he, he appears very reactionary. He feels like a guy who, you know, like stands over the bottom of his of his car. There's smoke billowing from the engine block, and he goes, "Oh yeah, it has been running badly for a couple of weeks." <laughs> and he's sort of going, "Yeah, you think?" You go, "You you did the." He did a series of reviews in 2019 that didn't really turn up anything meaningful. We didn't improve last year. Our coaching was still a problem. They make no changes in our assistance ranks last year when they should have. We start appointing ham-fistedly and haphazardly your Jordan Lewis's and your Justin Lepich's of the world now, and you're sort of going, "Man, this is this is stuff you've got to be on top of in October." 
Not in May. Yeah. You know that. This How is much? And this is a little bit off, off the question you're asking, but. You say that last year, how we didn't improve last year. How much did COVID affect development did, at the Carlton Football did Club COVID last only year? If, did COVID only affect the Carlton Football Club? No, but we are one of those immature teams that required, especially our list that required weeks and weeks of, of games. We got, effectively, our reserves didn't play last year. Mate, we've been on this. I've said that I think that COVID cut short the career of a couple guys. Ben Silvani was one of them, not just because the list got cut, but because he didn't have the exposure to 20 games of VFL football in what was an important year for him. But by the same... Wrong place, wrong time, yeah. By the same token, these were the... The, you know, the other nine teams in Victoria had the exact same problems. Um, and it's fair to say that, you know, Geelong, you know, well, their young guys have sort of... They haven't stagnated because of it. You know, it's fair to say that... It, it's, it's what you make of it. And that's, like that's exactly it. You can hard, look at it... Hardship is hardship, and if you've got to find a way... But when you've got a disproportionate, when you've got a yeah, disproportionate got amount of yep. young kids, yep. it's going to impact a team such as Carlton more than it would at Geelong. Is that down but to coaching? You're not I'm, giving I'm, them I'm the not, I'm, not blaming, I'm not blaming where we're at on the fact that, you know, COVID didn't allow us to play reserves fully last year, but it, but it certainly didn't help. It didn't help. So is the stall development? Is the stall development? <coughs> is that a coaching problem? Because it affected every other club. You're just going to make the best of it. You know, you're sitting there going, "Well," or is it a can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit situation? No, there's more to the development than us not playing reserves football last year. It's it's a, a major issue of the football club. But when our young players who Go through adversity, you know, especially our high-end draft picks who, like a Paddy Dow, like a, a Lockie O'Brien, get dropped. They don't have, they didn't have football play. That cough, I swear to God. Just get take, some, keep talking. Get hey, some Robitussin. Timbo's going to single-handedly keep this state in lockdown. <laughs> what, he's going to be, he's going to be carrying the Davis variant. I'm having some chewing gum. Is that okay? Get a butter I thought menthol. Thought it might soothe my throat. Anyway, we'll move on. So the last <laughs> thing on the on the footy boss situation and the footy department situation, as a segue, we'll stay with Faber Ganoush into the list. This is a footy department who have said for two years we had a Twitter spat about this word, Fab. They've said for the last two years, 2020 and 2021, that their expectation was finals. Yep. There's a lot of people who were swanning around saying they've spoken to people in the football club and those people have said, we expect to play finals. So what's changed between those two pre-seasons and now that we haven't kicked on? Is that they, what they, they don't believe in the list anymore? What's changed? Because they clearly believed in the list when they made those statements. Are you talking about external people or are you talking about the internal? All of them. People whose expectation were finals especially on the internal side of the football club, what's changed? Well, the only thing that's changed is that we haven't won games, so therefore the ability to make finals has been compromised. That, that, that's it. And not wanting to be proved wrong. But, and I've had this discussion with a lot of non-Carlton people, and I know you have to kind of, you know, there's an element of rivalry and banter and so forth, but 
you listen to the media as well, and there's this thing that oh, I never had Carlton in my top eight. You think no, that's fucking bullshit, right? Carlton have a list that should be contending for finals. It's not a top four list. It's not a premiership list. We are not there. However, we have a list capable of challenging for finals around that 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th mark. And not being anywhere near that is a failure. Agreed. But the, I think the other thing, and the thing that this, this review will bring out is the art of, you know, competition um, and, and seeking to improve yourself is, is separating the process from the result and just saying we want to play finals, well, that's the result. Whatever, whatever you need to do to put in place to be able to provide that environment that allows that to happen has to be the focus. And that, that's, the, that's the thing that has not improved, that has not grown, that has not blossomed in the last two years. How are we going to do it? How are we going to get there? We've we bolted on talent again. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we've added Kemp, we've added Philp, we've added Saad, we've added Williams, we've added um, Lockie Fogarty. You know, all good players, all good value, but it's not... It's not meshing together. So we want to talk about the list. You mentioned competition there, and I'll come at it from a, from an interesting perspective. I was watching the Alex Ferguson doco last night, and it's a very, very good watch. If anyone's interested, if you're a Man United fan, you'll love it. If you're a football fan, you'll like it. If you like portraits of just extraordinary people, you'll get something out of it. He, he told a great story about Jim Leighton, who was his goalkeeper at Aberdeen. He gave him his start at Aberdeen. He brought him to Manchester United. Jim Leighton was going through a rough patch of form. He played in the 1990 FA Cup final. It was a three-all draw. He'd made some errors. He wasn't commanding his box. He was out of form. And Fergie made the decision to drop him for the replay. And he brought in a goalkeeper by the name of Les Seeley. And Fergie made the comment, which I just thought, you know, like sometimes you're kind of watching something and then, particularly a doco, and, and something just hits you between the eyes and you're just thinking about it for 10 minutes. And he made the comment about Les Seeley. He goes... Les wasn't a better goalkeeper than Jim Layton, but he thought he was. <laughs> Jim Layton yep. was the better goalkeeper, but Les, Les thought he was the better goalkeeper. So he picked him and he made a couple of good saves and they won the final. And you go, that is the mentality that you need in a football club. This idea of particularly goalkeepers are different because only two or three of them on a list, but at the same time thinking... I've just got to be the best player I can possibly be. I've got to be better than my teammate. And then first and foremost, that's, that's the first port of call. And then after that, I've got to take that chip on my shoulder out into the field and prove it on a Saturday. Yep. And then I've got to do it in training on the Tuesday and the Thursday and then again on the Saturday. Again and again and again and again and again. That's the winning mentality. Um, we speak about the list, the competition. But that also gets driven from the coaching staff, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. A boxer doesn't get told by his coach, you know, look out, you're going to get, you know, a right hook to the face and go down in the first round. He's he's hyping him up. Pre-fight, he's telling him. Well, what, what happened when best. Mickey, what, mate, what happened when Mickey told him? When Mickey told Rock that you're not going to beat Clubber Lang. He's a wrecking machine. He'll kill you to death inside of three rounds. What well, happened? Right what happened? Time. 
He did. He got knocked. He got knocked out. Well, there was no second time, was there? Because Mickey was alive for that one, wasn't he? No, well, Mickey, Mickey was 100% right. He told Rocky and Rock got in Rocky's head and blah, 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 and he lost the fight because he was unsettled. But the composition and profile of our list, I think the list build has been all right. We've spoken about it a lot. It's gone askew due to some injury and some bad luck. What, there's, a few, there's a few deficiencies. Absolutely. Key defense, there Ruck. Absolutely. There are a few. But... but what we need to speak about, Fat, Timbo kind of led into it a little bit just before, and I'll, I'll throw to you. First things first, Nick Austin's spending spree was only because of Sauce's work. Nick Austin Correct. spent Sauce's savings. And a lot savings. of people don't understand that. Nick Austin spent Sauce's savings. He went looking for midfield support to help out Cripps and Walsh. Could you not realistically ask the question, did we not already possess that midfield support? Possibly. Hmm. Feel free to answer that question, Fab. I've thrown Potentially, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pondering. I'm pondering. If we... <laughs> midfield has been our deficiency in the last couple of years. And whilst bringing in one player, which would have been Williams, to assist Paddy Cripps, shouldn't be hampering the development and career of four or five mid- young midfielders. That it should be, he should have joined a collective group. So, no, I don't think it has or should have hampered the career of others that we already had. Because we saw it even in, you know, before that, Timbo, where you, you look at a guy like a, a Jack Nunes was brought in as a, I think on paper, you go, it's a shrewd acquisition for, for depth purposes and to bring in an experienced guy who can play really good quality VFL football, can be a guy who needs. You know, plays senior football when he needs to. Highly skilled. But we've put him ahead of Lockie O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. And, that's exactly a no, right. and that's a no-no. And that's a, and that's a if injuries... It, it's, the, it's the Eddie Betts thing that we discussed at the start of the year. Injuries will determine how much game time or should determine how much game time people like a Jack Nunes get. Well, it's Gibbons, Cottrell, Nunes. There's a whole a, a bunch of them where you go yeah. fully fit, 22, you guys aren't getting a game. 22 obviously is not fully fit at the moment. But mm. on the depth chart, Lockie O'Brien should be ahead of Jack Nunes. Yep. Samo 100%. should be ahead of Cottrell. There's all these lists. You know, Stocker should be ahead of Kerno. You go, like, if you, want to, if you want to play Stocker as a defensive or lockdown type player, give him Ed's job. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you going like, what are we doing? What are we trying to do here, Tim? It's frustrating, isn't it? Well, the challenge when you compare those two is Ed Kerno's strength is his gut running ability. The weakness or the room for improvement with Liam Stocker is his gut running ability, and so it's 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 the challenge of the haves versus the yeah, have nots. Yeah. Okay. You you've listed one attribute. Tim. No, no, no. Absolutely. And look, what it's, about it, it's one else? simple example? Exactly Midfield right. Craft. Yes. Um, disposal, uh, footy nows. Who do you want the ball in the hand of? Yes. And that's not saying Ed doesn't have other elements to his game that he's ahead of Liam Stocker on, but, you know, you, you can go and get Craig Mottram if you want someone, if stamina is your only... Um... <laughs> you got no, he's good, he's good, he's good size. He's Rob DiCostella. <laughs> Who was the other guy? Craig Monaghetti. Steve, Steve, Steve Monaghetti. Monaghetti. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how Steve would go in the in the in the, in the clinches. 
<laughs> he gets knocked off the ball. A bit a lightweight. People, have got, people have got concerns about Fisher running through the midfield. He's too light. <laughs> uh, and then our last, our last piece of um, last item on the agenda, if you will, uh, the fitness guru. So he's obviously going to be an enormous part, enormous focus of the review. Um, we don't want to labour because uh, we've spoken about this for some time now. We spoke about it on Sunday night. It's a return on investment conversation that he is on a significant amount of our football department soft cap. The realistic, reasonable question is, are we getting return on investment for that fab? One word answer? No. And I'm starting to... You're starting to see the cracks appearing in Andrew Russell's armour. And I don't know if you've been following the story over the last couple of days, the whole Buddy Franklin, the Buddy Franklin hamstring thing that he weighed in on? No. No. So he's, he's Andrew Russell has, has weighed in on, on Buddy's um, hamstring issues and basically been told to, you know, focus on your own stuff. And then the media then picked up on it and come out and said, you know, well, his fitness record at Carlton isn't that great. And then apparently his wife's come out and had a go at Kane Corns or something like that. So for her to come out and do that means... You're feeling the pinch. He's feeling the pinch. I'll go to you, Timbo. Um, that there was a bit of chatter this morning about uh, Jack Russell and his role at the football club and, and is it a consequence of the tightening football soft cap but there was chatter about him weighing in on recruiting decisions, there was chatter of him taking on a more active role in sort of a mindset space at the football club um, and the conversation was about, well, is that because football department spend is having to be spread further? I actually think that's probably part of the lure to get him across to the club was the promise of an extended portfolio. At Hawthorne, you're just the fitness guy. Well, also, if you're going to pay top dollar, you're probably going to, exactly as you sort of say, you know, let's extend your, you know, your skill set. Let, 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 well, let's have, let's allow you to have um, a say over all of our um, elite training um, facets, whether it be physical, mental or otherwise. But, it, it may just be we've, we've only got so much money to be able to spread so far um, and he's having to multitask because we can't afford anybody else to do a specialised role. On the surface of things, are you comfortable, Tim, with Andrew Russell, strength and conditioning man, weighing in on recruiting? No. Are you comfortable no. with him sort of weighing well, in on you know, mindset and psychology? I think understanding the typology of an athlete... Um, knowing what they bring to the table, knowing what their strengths are. You know, if you were to look at a, and I don't want to use Liam Stocker as an example, but but let's just say you recruit a kid who can get a shitload of the footy, uh, but he's not a very good runner. And you sit there and you're going, he has elite attributes, but he's two and three pre-seasons away from being an AFL-style runner. Do you commit the time to be able to get that kid right? Or do you find a guy who's already got an engine who can find the footy okay and build his skills to be a better footballer. And yeah. I don't think there's a right answer to it. I, 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 I think I think whenever you've got anything elite, you can always build on it. Um, but it begs the question, you know, when we've been trying to find a midfield, have we been looking for the wrong attributes rather than trying to find the things that other football teams are getting more readily? Would you not I just... think you just you get footballers, Tim. And, fab, you employ, fab, and you employ people like Andrew Russell to 
make them better. Make, make them better athletes. Now, just to clarify the make stuff with, with uh, Andrew Russell, because Kane Corns had, had revisited that last season when Buddy did his hammy, I think, last season, that Andrew Russell said he should drop some weight and whatever, and John Walsh. Which is that, fair so, enough. So, so that got brought up again. That that, that happened last year, and then Kane Cord said, you know, all positions in the review, uh, all positions at the Cup Football Club are under review, including Andrew Russell, and I think his wife's come out and basically had a go at Kane, which is, you know... It's interesting because you'd be naive. joins a long list, but... Fab. You'd be naive. If you're Andrew Russell, you would be genuinely naive to not I, think... I think his review started... I mean, a lot of... I'm in strife. A long time ago. You would. You'd be naive to be sitting there if you're Andrew Russell thinking, I'm not in the gun here. Oh, totally. If, if, if your side is clearly running out games better than everybody else, that you're knocking opposition players off the ball, you're really strong... Um, you know, you look the part. You know, the old West Coast days in the early nineties when they were doped to the eyeballs with whatever it was, steroids or human allegedly, growth hormone. Tim, you just sat allegedly. there and you thought th- th- these blokes could not be legit. Um, but Jesus Christ, they looked good. Um, if you, as a fitness coach, are presenting your side in such good order that you are beyond reproach, you've got nothing to worry about. It. But when we are the worst. Um, red time team in the competition, something ain't right. It might only be injuries, but it sounds like it's more. So he 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 knows. Everybody knows when you're performing. You know, you, you don't need somebody else to say, "Oh, your KPIs aren't quite where they need to be." Sean, um, if you're not delivering that mail the way you should be, you'll know. I get told. Four A is four A is complaining. It's an external review. Four A is complaining that you put their mail in four B. Holgate, Guadagnolo. And I just go, okay. <laughs> sure. I don't know what you want to do about that. Um, excellent review tonight, gentlemen. Fantastic to have your company. Before we close, and we don't want to be macabre, we don't want to be accused of being sordid and grubby, as will probably happen, because people always mm. misinterpret things. Um, yes or no, we'll go through a couple of guys. This Obviously, this review will be wide-sweeping. It'll be all-encompassing. Everyone's on the table. Yes or no, do they stay or go as a result of the review? Okay, let's go. David Teague. Gone. No. No. No what? What? No, he's not there. Oh, he's gone. I said, yeah, gone. So we'll say stay or go. You said yes or no. Well, when you say... <laughs> stay no, or go. I'll say go. 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 Okay. John Barker's obviously gone. Gone. Cameron Bruce. Gone. Gone. Dale Amos. Gone. Gone. Brent Stanton. Gone. Gone. Luke Power. Stay. Stay. Daniel O'Keefe. Stay. Stay. Uh, then we've got Torrin Baker, who's just a, a, a new development coach come across from Hawthorne. He's probably in the same. And he's, he's a line coach at PSL level as well. Yeah, so he he's, probably he's, probably he the same, he's probably the same boat as, as Daniel O'Keefe, but might actually end up, who knows, um, how, how he coached the Western Jets and the TAC as well. Yeah, and you don't know. Sometimes there's there's turnover in that regard, anyway, isn't there? So it's it's always yeah. it's always hard um, to sort of forecast how that'll go. I'm just trying to find. We've got obviously Brad Lloyd. Stay gone. Our recruiting team, Timbo. What do you reckon? I think Nick Austin's probably safe. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Safe. 
not even probably safe. Nick Austin's definitely safe. Nick, well, he's, he's been in the job one year. But the guys so, below people him... People like Mick Gressler who were there under the old regime and the big fella whose name I don't know. Um, <laughs> the one who kept beating all the lollies. <laughs> With the red hair. <laughs> no, no, no. He, um, he was a larger bloke. He, he yeah, another bloke. He I mean, Liam Stocker. Yeah, yeah, I reckon he's got, a blo- I reckon he's got strawberry blonde hair. I can't remember. I think we're in furious old, old old mate Nicky Webster, he's gone. Um, who else have we got? Uh, just trying to find this list for us. Bear with me one second. Um, football analysts, etc., etc., etc. Club doctors, they're probably okay. Yep. Um, stay. Stay. They stay. can stay. Yeah. <laughs> they can stay. Uh, Paul Brody's the other guys, the big sort of the, the big fish down there in terms of the recruiting side of things. Will's dad. Yes. Uh, uncle? Uncle, maybe. Yeah. Um, and was there someone else? There's someone else I wanted to touch on as well. But I've just lost their name. It's gone off the... Andrew Russell? Andrew Russell was the last one. Is oh. he co- is he contracted? Uh, I've got no idea. I don't think so. So I've basically if, said if he's not contracted, gone. If he's not contracted, he's gone. If he is contracted, he stays. But he may be given a haircut. He can't afford to have a haircut, Timbo. <laughs> yeah, but if, if you're contracted for another year on whatever, 800 grand, or whatever the, the, the ridiculous number is, and to say my employer comes to me and says, Fab, you're going to take a 50% pay cut. Pete? I'll Pete's going to... What? I'll say, Pete can't, <laughs> Pete can't get stuffed. Um, it ain't happening. So this haircut... Thing, if it's a contract, you just can't enforce a haircut. So effectively, I, I think Lloyd is in a vulnerable position, Teague is in a vulnerable position, and then whoever comes in to replace Teague... <laughs> Mate, we're four and eight. Everyone's in a vulnerable position. No, no. I, I, I think <laughs> oh, no, the, three, I the three immediate, the three line coaches under him, whoever comes in, for example, and I'm not advocating that this should be the way to go. But if Ross came in, Ross would want three people specific to him that he'd want underneath him. For me, I think the most vulnerable, the, I think the most vulnerable is Russell. The line coaches, as Fab said, John Barker's obviously already departed. Yep. And um, Brad Lloyd, I think, are the three most vulnerable. I think that the review, my gut feeling is... How does David T get out of this review? My, my, Everybody no, else see, has been sacked. My review him. is the, the my gut feeling is the review will be sympathetic towards the coach, which rightly or wrongly will save him. My only problem, and and I I told you guys this story when I was at a, a Carlton function two years ago, while David Teague was the you're not allowed coach. To... You're not allowed to raise carton functions in front of Sean. No, so long as it's not the legend's lunch, I don't care. I said, can you do me one favour? He said, if I can, I'll do it. Hold my drink. I said, can you make sure you interview Adam Kingsley? I said, I don't advocate that you have to give him the job, but you've got to talk to him. You've got to pick up the phone. You've got to have a conversation. You've got to understand what the man's about. And then whatever decision you want to make after that, you make your decision. Did you tell him that you and King are great mates? Well, I didn't didn't lead with that, but uh, if King, if King is, gets the job, the three people underneath him are you, man, sure. Well, that's true, but but he never called him. He never called him. 
And so what was the process that put David Teague in charge and, and through the review, if part of the review was a sufficiently stringent um, um, process was not put in place to put him in the job in the first instance, they may say, well, let's, let's essentially say you don't have the job next year until we go through a process that proves you are the right candidate. While we're talking about reviews and football department changes, Tim, can you tell the story about that time you had to give uh, James Fantasia... Yeah, stop it. <laughs> ...a call from the, <laughs> from the Western Bulldogs? You've heard this story. It was, some of your fi- it was some of your finest work, Fabian. I, I didn't... I was at my gullible peak. I heard what I wanted to hear as opposed to your voice. I don't but think we've told you, it on pod. But thank you very much for humiliating me on podcast. Okay. So oh, you got to tell basically, it, Basically, I'll tell the story. Yeah. Okay. This is the last act of the pod. It was funny. So Simbo, Simbo was doing some recruiting work for the Port Adelaide Football Club at the time. And the Bulldogs, I don't know if they were after someone, like some sort of list management role or what have you. They're advertising for recruiting, mate. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but I rang Tim and <laughs> left a voicemail as James Fantasia from the Western Bulldogs and said, um, "If you could give me a call to discuss, I don't." And I left my own mobile number there. <laughs> Which well, the I didn't know his mobile number. You don't remember mobile numbers. <laughs> two hours later, in your phone. Two hours later, I get a phone call from from Timbo, and I answered. I said. You know, how you go? And he goes, oh, how have I doled you? I said, what do you mean? And then it finally clicks. He goes, I've spent the last two hours analysing the Bulldogs list and making notes. Wanted <laughs> 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 to talk to James Fantasia. Hey, but, but, Sean, I, le- I legitimately applied for the job. So when I get the call back from, in inverted commas, James Fantasia, it's like, oh, you beauty, he's got my application. <laughs> In and the end, talk about fishing for marlin, mate. It's in, the greatest catch of all time. Well, it was a good one. In the it end, it's probably actually like one of those that just just about crosses the line because you're actually toying with a man's hopes, dreams, and emotions. Yeah, it was exactly right. <laughs> I could just imagine his notes getting ready for this phone call, and he so rang me up. I was at a, I was we're going to recruit Buku Karmas. <laughs> I was at a deli. There's a guy running around. Off. He's six years old. His name's Buku Karmas. He's on the radar. I think we need to move him into a house near the Witten Oval so we <laughs> qualify for the next Who's gen the academy. The, Timbo that the next gen academy doesn't exist. You don't know what it is yet, but it will exist. He's got Timbo's like Marty McFly. He goes back to the past to recruit <laughs> Buku Karmas. Ke- Kevin Garawara. Was, Kevin Garawara. Yeah. All right, boys. Good discussion tonight. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Our deep dive on the upcoming external review of the Carbon Football Club. Hope there's stuff in there that you have uh, mulled over or haven't thought about or would like to think about. Jeff, definitely get in touch with us. We always like it when people get in touch and discuss uh, the Carlton Football Club with us. We thank you very, very much for your time. If you are listening, uh, make sure to share and like and throw us a subscribe where you listen to podcasts because that all helps. Or give us your, or give us your opinion. I We're always happy to engage. Just in, said uh, that off the top of my outro. That's fine. Um, obviously, we weren't paying attention to that, Fab. That's uh, what I said. That's what I said. Uh, when you talk, Sean, I just, I just, I mute. Any only. It's funny because when Yazoo I talk, and it's, it's, it's funny, Fab. It, only you it's, for, for Timber. It's funny because when I throw to you, you're a mute as well. You must just get to take yourself off mute. 
I throw you in, I go, come on, fam, tease it out of him. Let's tease it out of him. People love what I bring. I told you, there's going to be a Fubba Ganoush club, and the membership is going to go, T-shirts? Tell you, tell, you, <laughs> hey, tell you what, Simbo, there won't be any COVID restrictions on occupancy. That won't be a problem. I won't be reaching those limits. Uh, anyway, you gentlemen. Watch. Everybody, get in touch with me if you would like to be a free member. Of the uh, Fabergé Club, Fabergé Club. Just bear in mind, the like a, Bridge Club. It'd be like a patri- uh, Patreon, you know. What are your benefits? Just empty. You get nothing. Um, no, thank you very much for we'll, your time, we'll, Fabergé. We'll shut up. We'll have a raffle. Yeah, what's in the raffle? I, I don't even want to know what's in the raffle. Thank you for your time, Fabergé. I've been giving you the wind up for five minutes. Uh, it's always I've a pleasure to have you. Have, have a uh, have a good rest of the week. Okay, we'll try to. And Dr. Davis, it is always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Sean. It was uh, especially pleasurable tonight. It was nice to do uh, a second one in a week. A special so, um, event pod. End pod. Excellent. Only you. Yazoo. No, there won't be any only you. We'll catch you guys next, or oh, not even next week, the week after. Thank you very much for your time.